Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. So the fun thing about doing these podcast topics is you never know which ones are going to resonate. And it seems like the one, the last episode on death, which just kind of came together. It wasn't planned. I actually had two different topics, and sadly, it, I didn't make the connection. Both of them dealt with death until I was actually recording the podcast. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This is kind of morbid. We tried to keep it upbeat, of course, but I mean, I think they're both very pertinent topics and ones that we need to think about and discuss, especially the second, well, not especially, but the second topic, I think, is one nobody wants to think about, and that seemed to be the one that really hit or struck a nerve with people in a good way, because I had a lot of folks come over to YouTube to leave comments to say they appreciated the topic and thought it was a good one, which is cool, because sometimes I put these things out there, I never know. We do have to, this summer, one of my biggest chores that I got ahead of me is to try to get that site up and running that allows people to comment on the podcast. I don't know how it'll work because a lot of folks are listening to these in their cars. They're doing other things and to go and comment means seeking out another website and doing the commenting thing. But I do want some, I would love to have more of an open dialogue. And obviously with me not being on Facebook as much, we got the folks that Facebook is the best place to kind of leave a comment that I do check the comments usually before posting or recording the next episode of the podcast because that way I can see if there's anything I need to respond to but it'd be so much nicer if there was a spot people could jump on we could get a dialogue going that's one thing I do like about YouTube is that if I post something up people can write their comment on it and share their opinions they can agree they can disagree we can talk about it but we don't yet have that with a podcast so I got to work on that this summer but we did have some folks that chimed in over on Facebook and I wanted to kind of go through a couple of those because I do think it's worth listening to first off Eric Topping commented a little late listening to this one, but I had it on after picking up my daughter. She said, you don't have to worry about it because you have me. She's the best. That's absolutely adorable. And that's awesome. I I love hearing stories of folks that their kids are into this kind of stuff. I feel bad because I didn't even think about the fact that the show is very child-friendly. And I know a lot of folks listen to this with their kids around. And I probably should have put a disclaimer because nobody needs their kids thinking about this stuff. But that is absolutely awesome, Eric, that she is on board. We also had from Joe Merringer. What I found funny was the second topic when you mentioned how you said I'd will them to my grandkids. That's something I've been saying for years. It's kind of a running joke, but not really a joke because I really have to think about that. But yours is one year old. My niece is two and a half. And when she sees any bug or spider, she says, Uncle Joe doesn't sound like much, but she's not super vocal and it's heart melting. All that on top of her appreciation for life and her understanding of my love for them as well. They'll get their Tom and it's life affirming when they do. Uh, I hope mine does. Again, my kids, we'll see. Everybody's got their own unique interests and I do get that. I, I My kids could turn around at some point. My 11-year-old, I'm holding out hope. He's always wanted his own YouTube channel. I keep joking with him. I'm not doing this forever, bud. We could always have Kale's Big Spiders. So we'll have to see how it goes. But it really is when you see the younger kids pick up on your loves and and show that kind of respect to you and to your hobby. That's amazing. And again, I love hearing when kids get into the hobby or show interest in the hobby. Years ago, I tried to do a video where people showed off how they were working with their kids and the hobby. I wanted to do like a YouTube video with a bunch of different people chiming in with their kids doing like a little feeding video or something. And unfortunately, I only got like one submission to it. I recorded, we recorded something with my son Kale doing some his first feeding, which was amazing. And I had to try to find that footage somewhere because I think it was probably about four years ago now. He was much, much younger. But yes, having hearing about kids getting interested in the hobby is amazing because those are the ones that are going to be raised hopefully to always respect spiders and always respect good husbandry and to do this for the right reasons. Because if they're following us as examples, they can't help but be good keepers and good people. 
The next comment we have is from Rockhound, who has been a listener and always comments on Facebook. So thank you so much. I do appreciate that. Fantastic podcast. Well, I received my first spider five years ago when I was 66 years old. Yep, that makes me 71 now. And I was considering all the things you brought up about the future. Fortunately, I only have two dwarfs and one adult female T, albopilosis, and I've decided to stop there. We had a trial run January when I ended up in ICU for COVID for 18 days, and I had to give my two grown sons instructions over the phone on watering and feeding. They did a good job overcoming their fear of big spiders, and then I mentioned feeding the feeders. My son said, what? LOL. I said, you'll have to feed the feeders to feed the spiders. They never knew I had those in my house, but I must say my oldest son did a fantastic job smashing superworm heads and watching the spider take it so that it was one less thing I had to worry about on my road to recovery. I do wish I could buy another spider, but I'm going to just enjoy the precious ones I have. Thank you so much for chiming in on this. Uh, it's Your sons sound fantastic. That's why I started to giggle in the middle of it. It's just the thought of, and I actually never thought of this before, the feeding the feeders part. I don't even think I covered this on my how to take care of the animals and how to prepare for if there is a situation. First off, I am glad to hear that you're okay now. The COVID thing obviously sounds absolutely horrifying. So let's get that out of the way. But the fact that your sons were able to go in there and do this and the feed the feeders and the killing the feeders, like that's another one. I used to have a thing about crushing bugs. It used to gross me out so badly. And now I just kind of do it. It's like part of the hobby. You take a roach, you crush its head, you drop it in. It's nasty. I can't imagine somebody who doesn't do this day in and day out having to do that. So that is an awesome story. A wonderful, again, two great sons there, obviously, that they're able to back you up. And I like that you're able to chime in the fact that you've decided you're going to stop there. I mean, I would honestly say, and I, I truly believe this, it comes down to like responsibility. If you're on the older end of it, where you know we're not spring chickens anymore, you're picking up some of these older lived species. I think as long as you have a situation where you know there is a plan for if something should happen or when the inevitable happens, then I think you should be able to continue to get spiders and just know that they're going to be in a good place. Now I can get not wanting to overburden friends and relatives with like right now. If I were to kick the <laughs> Billy's got a lot to deal with up here, a lot of spiders. And that could be, you know, again, added stress. So I do get folks that limit themselves. I think it's great that people think about this because, again, ultimately, we're always all the Tom's Big Spider stuff is about caring for these animals as best we can and also making sure that people stay safe. And I think a good, responsible keeper is going to consider this type of stuff. So fantastic story, Rockout. Thank you so much for chiming in with that. Again, it sounds like you got two good ones there. And, you know, if you were to pick up a couple other spiders, I don't think anybody would blame you. But that's awesome that you're happy with what you got. And again, thanks so much for always listening and taking the time to comment on the podcast because I do truly appreciate it. And then the last one we have here is from Richard Bishop. Richard says, my grandfather passed away with a huge collection of hot reptiles. Unfortunately, greed caused them to suffer dearly. I'll add this to get things in writing if possible with a larger collection because sometimes people change after you're gone. That's And that's something that really needs to be thought of that I would actually add to that. A, maybe get it writing. B, that's something to revisit every once in a while. Sure, you sit down with some relatives, you know, it's 2022 and you decide, all right, if anything should happen to me, this is what's going to happen to my animals. This is what needs to be done. And then you don't revisit that topic. And then maybe something happens 10 years down the road. Are those people still there? Are they still available to do this? Are they still willing to do this? Uh, have they changed? Have they wandered off and they're not in your life and you haven't thought about it? That's a great point. This stuff needs to be revisited on occasion, especially with the people that are supposedly going to come in and help you out with it. You can't just take for granted that, yep, back in 2022, 
we decided this would happen. And then it's years later and that you're expecting the people to do it. So I think that's a great point, Richard, without getting into specifics. I think I can read where you're going with it and how this could happen and be a terrible situation. And the greed part, again, I know I stress this repeatedly. If you get to a situation where you inherit a large collection and you don't want to keep it, the greed part has to be put aside. I know a lot of people see these animals as commodities. I know there will be situations where people inherit collections. They go online to see what they're going for, and they're like, oh, my gosh, these females can get three, four hundred, five hundred dollars each. You're probably not going to move them as quickly as you think you are with those prices. So, I, again, great, great feedback. I'm so glad I did the topic. It really got me thinking as to what I'm going to do because, again, I've got a big batch here that would need to get rid of. And I think it's something that anybody that gets in the hobby with these long-lived animals seriously needs to think about. So today for our main topic, we're going to be talking a bit about taking into consideration where you live, your living arrangements before amassing a large collection. So we talk about what happens when you have the collection and where it goes. This one was a topic that I'd actually been playing. I've had many emails over the years that have kind of pointed to the fact that I need to cover this topic. And then I got an email from Professor Chani, which was, I covered one of her other topics earlier that mentioned this one. I'm like, yep, that's a great topic. So I do want to cover this topic because unfortunately, this is one of the ones where I have a lot of people ask me, you know, should I get tarantulas in this situation they fill in the blanks whatever it may be and unfortunately a lot of times I have to come back with no I don't think it's a good situation I don't think you should get them and sometimes people are like you're right absolutely I can't wait I'll continue to live vicariously through you other instances they don't listen and we have a situation like the one that really inspired me to do this podcast today so I received an email from a young man young woman not sure which I believe around 15, 16 years old. And essentially, it was a longer email, and it was a very upset and frustrated email. Essentially, the the basics of it are this individual, we'll say he, wanted to get tarantulas. His mom absolutely forbade him from having any tarantulas. He had been watching videos. He'd been watching my videos. He realized that he could easily keep these animals, and it shouldn't be much of an issue. He didn't have to worry about escape. But again, mom had said no. So what he did is he went about acquiring some and starting a little mini collection, which he hid in his closet. I guess he had a closet area that his mom didn't usually go in his closet. He had a little shelves put aside. He was able to keep them in there and the old Tupperware boxes, whatever. Modest collection of like five or six tarantulas. And he managed to keep them hidden for quite a while. There was a couple close calls where the mom almost called him. He brought home crickets one day and he accidentally left the crickets on the counter. The mom came down like, why is there crickets on the counter? And he had to make up a story about they were for a friend's Pac-Man frog or something. And he accidentally left them over there. But again, he was starting to create this issue where he was obviously being deceptive. And again, I, I was young once. I get it. This isn't me being judgmental at all. It's just putting the facts out there. So let's fast forward. He's had them for quite a while. He comes home from school one day. He's got some crickets. He locks his door. He opens up his closet. All of the spiders are gone. So he freaks out, runs downstairs, finds his mom, who is quite smug about it. And she informs him, I've told you never to bring those animals into my house. You disobeyed my orders. I don't know how long they've been there for, but they're gone now. And the kid is beside himself because he thinks his mom killed the spiders Big fight ensues. Long story short, he finds out from his father that mom actually found a co-worker who knew somebody or had a relative that had spiders, and she gave them all away. So now he has no spiders. He's living his mom, and he emailed me, and I think part of it was to vent. 
part of it was because he wanted me to kind of be like, oh, that's terrible. And I did say it's, I feel terrible that somebody lost their collection. That's awful. I mean, let's call it as it is. But I think I've made it clear over the course of the years that when you are underage or living with your parents' house or living with somebody, and this is what our topic is going to be about today, you have to take into consideration the rules. I think I've shared the story several times about the fact that my mom absolutely prohibited us from keeping either snakes or spiders. She is deathly afraid of spiders. Snakes, she was just afraid we were going to get out in the house. We weren't allowed to have any of the creepy crawly things. I was obsessed with these things from a very early age, always wanted one. And I never considered breaking that rule for a, a variety of reasons. One, first and foremost, I knew I was going to get in big trouble if she caught me. And my mom was always up in my room, putting laundry away, cleaning up, whatever it may be. And so I didn't see much of a chance of me being able to keep them hidden. And two, because I had siblings in there and who had friends over and I was afraid of the situation where they could get into them. So today we're going to talk a bit about situations that you may want to, that you may find yourself in that may lead you to reconsidering amassing a collection. So I have a couple to start off. Obviously, the first one involves children, young adults who have been forbidden to keep tarantulas by their parents. I've over the years had probably dozens of young folks email and say, I really want to get them. My mom, my dad, my aunt, my grandmother, whoever it may be, hates them, doesn't want them here. Uh, Is it a good idea for me to get them and hide them? My answer is always no, just without even thinking about it any the answer is no and here is why number one it's your parents it's their house their rules as much as we don't like to hear that growing up and I remember how frustrating it was for me because there were a couple times where I had a situation where I could have gotten a scorpion at one point I could have gotten a frog one point I could have gotten a snake it was always a big no parents are in charge And again, I would never encourage kids to do something deceitful. And again, kids will do what kids do. Obviously, we've all done stuff as kids, as young adults, as teens to, you know, pull stuff, uh, the wool over our eyes of our parents to get away with things. That's totally fine, but not when it involves a living animal. And I think that's where I draw the line. And again, we always frame everything on the podcast and when I talk about tarantulas in terms of we want to be, we want to do what's right for the animal, keep the animal safe and people safe. And I think these situations where kids sneak the animals into their homes end up with A, putting people at risk or B, putting the animals at risk. You're not able to give proper care when you have to hide everything you're doing. That's the long and short of it. And I've heard many stories over the years of people, kids keeping these animals from their parents and having it turn out badly. Recently, I was talking to some of my own students at school and we were talking about pets and animals. And one of them was talking about how when their mother was little, she had a pet tarantula. The grandmother found it and crushed it and killed it. She was terrified of spiders. She opened the thing up, saw the spider there, crushed it and killed it. Done. And that's a prime example of why you shouldn't do that. You, A, aren't, you don't know how your parents are going to react when they find these animals. And the case that we started this podcast off with in that situation, the mother in this situation did the right thing by the animals. I think the most appropriate thing you can do and find somebody that could take care of she gave them to a good home. That's not often how it turns out. Uh, Besides my student story about the grandmother killing the tarantulas, I have heard a handful of other stories 
of family members finding the animals and killing them. And that's horrific. Like those are your, A, those are your pets. So I feel bad for the person, but I feel more bad for the animals that were brought into this situation that they never should have been brought in in the first place. So I think the first reason you shouldn't do it is because of the fact that it's going to make care difficult and you're not sure what's going to happen when they are discovered. And usually they are discovered. I'm sure somebody will chime in, but I've managed to keep them hidden for 10 years and that's cool. But for every one of you, I think there's a lot of cases where they aren't able to keep them hidden. And then I think one thing we have to keep in mind is a lot of times when teens want to keep these animals, they're not the only kid in the house. A lot of them have younger brothers and sisters. Now you have animals that nobody knows are there. So you can't have a family meeting where everybody says, all right, Johnny is keeping tarantulas. Here are the rules. You stay out of his room. You don't touch the cages. You have to try to protect these animals and keep them away from those younger brothers and sisters. And guess what younger brothers and sisters do? They get into your stuff. They look for things. They watch you. They go, what is he doing? He's got something under his bed. He's got something in his closet. I have heard of situations where younger brothers and sisters have located the hidden animals and the animals have escaped or got out. And that's a terrible situation that puts people, you know, A, the animal is now at risk. You can't really, you've got one of two choices. You can tell everybody in the house, hey, by the way, I have a big spider that got out, which usually is going to cause the parents to freak out, want the spider dead, think they're going to be at risk. It's a horrible situation or don't tell anybody and run the risk that somebody run into it like a brother or sister, a pet or a parent. And again, terrible situation all around. So I think that always needs to be taken into account. If there are younger relatives in the home, that puts everybody, especially the animals at risk, because there's a chance they're going to get discovered. There are a chance, there's a chance those kids being curious are going to try to get into that enclosure. They're going to leave it open. They're going to get startled. They're going to take pictures. They're going to try to handle who knows what happens. It just sets up for a lot of bad, bad things to happen. And then the other thing, and I share this story is I was contacted a while back by a young man who was keeping tarantulas and he had a OBT, adult OBT, they managed to get a hold of. His parents did not know he had the spiders. He was not supposed to bring spiders into the house. And he came up, found out that he had accidentally left the Tupperware slightly open. The spider was gone. And he was freaking out because now comes the moment where you not only probably have to tell your parents that, hey, I violated your no spider rule, but you have to tell them that you have a potentially danger I use the word dangerous in quotes spider in the house you have to let them know this is an old world species this could put a hurting on you now usually when these animals get out when large tarantulas get out you don't normally hear situations of people like it drops on their head and bites them or it's in their shoe usually they either don't find them or they stumble upon them one day and they cup them get them back in the the threat is not as bad as it seems however he had dogs he had cats he had younger brothers and sisters. This was a nightmare. I don't know how it turned out, but I know he was coming to me for advice. And I said, you really have to tell everybody in the house what's going on. Inform them. I did write something up so he can inform them that you just drop a cup over this thing. You can get it into its, its back into its enclosure. But God only knows how that turned out. So that's a situation right off the bat where if you're a younger younger keeper or younger wannabe keeper and your parents or whoever you live with forbids you from getting them. You have to follow the rules on that one. That doesn't benefit anybody. Look at me. It took me a while, but I moved out of my house. I think Billy and I moved out when we were 20 or 21. And that was the first thing we did. There's plenty of time to get into them. Until then, watch YouTube videos, you know, obviously listening to the podcast, collect information, study, do your homework. That gives you so much time to be prepared and to be an excellent keeper when you start. Because a lot of folks, again, jump in this hobby, they do no research. You have years to do it, figure out what you want, put together your wish list. I had one young lady that sent me pictures of a binder she put together with the species she wanted to keep, the ones, the order she was going to keep them in, the care information. It was amazing. So, 
if you're younger and you want to get a tarantula and you're living with your parents and they say no, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it at all. You have all the time in the world after you move out of your house. Now, moving off of parents, another situation some folks find themselves in, I've spoken to many over the years, college folks that are living in a dorm or some type of housing where there are multiple people in it. Again, they're... It comes down to this. A, some places forbid them. So if they forbid them, don't sneak them in. I haven't heard too many cases of this, but I have heard cases where they got reported and were told they had to immediately get rid of the animals. They couldn't bring them home. And I had one person that was willing to send me the whole collection because they were afraid it was going to happen to them. That can't happen. Again, just like the folks that are living at home and are being told at home they can't have, you need to check with your whoever runs the dorm with the school and find out if you're able to have them. Now, if you're able to have them, I still don't necessarily think it's the greatest idea to get them. I guess you need to know your situation. If you're living in a dorm that's crazy, there's you've got a roommate who's constantly having people in, there's people coming in and out, you're having parties there, whatever. I mean, we all know what college, what happens at college, then I would say do not keep animals in there. I have heard horror stories of folks who have tarantulas and that somebody has a party in their dorm, they're not there that night. One the worst case scenario and I hate sharing the story because it made me so angry. They came home from studying. Some Their roommate had had a party or had some friends over, and they found one of their spiders pinned to a dartboard. So you can only imagine what happened there, dead. And it was horrible that this person was beside themselves. They had had this spider since they were a kid. They brought it to college with them. And because the roommates were complete jerks, they ended up with the dead spider. So you have to remember in these situations, it it's not so much you you have to worry about. It's the other people that may come in there. For years, people have asked me if I keep a spider in my classroom. And the answer has been no, because I'm worried about what happens when I'm not there. I can't help it. I I've had situations where I know for a fact we had janitors once that came in and I had a tarantula molt on my desk and the janitor flipped out, said, I hate tarantulas, I would kill them. God only knows what would happen when I'm not there. It just always worries me, so I haven't kept one there. Because unfortunately, I'm not a science teacher. I don't have a science. I mean, if you have a science classroom where there's animals, a lot of times you can do that. But in my classroom, I just... It worries me, but some folks do it. Don't get me wrong. But I think in the same term, that's what I think about. If I were living in a dorm, it wouldn't be me I was worried about. It might not even be my roommate. There's a very good chance you have a good roommate who has a mutual respect for the animal or the very least appreciates them and would never do anything to harm them. You never know who's coming into that dorm at any given time, what might happen to them. So I think that's absolutely something that needs to be considered is that even if the dorm allows the smaller pets, and some of them do, some of them don't, Is it a safe environment for the animal? If you can't guarantee that this animal is going to be safe 24-7 under your care in that situation, I would advise you not to get one. Again, sort of like the situation where if you live at home, if you're in college, you're not there forever. You're only there for four or five, maybe six years, depending on what you're studying for. And in which case, there will be a point where you can, hopefully, you get out, you graduate, you get a good paying job, because I'll tell you, this hobby is very expensive, and you can buy your own tarantulas, keep your collection in the safety of your own home after you get out of college. So I think that if they give you permission, there's a very, you know, you have a very important decision to make. Is it worth risking the animal? If you can say, hey, this animal's going to be safe. I trust my roommate. I trust all his friends. We're, we both don't have people over very much, whatever. Then by all means, go for it. And I have heard some ones, some situations over the years where people have like their, there's a bunch of roommates living in a room and the pet becomes kind of like their pet, all theirs, and they all take care of it. Then that's great. But If you're not sure, if there's any doubt, wait, because again, it should be, we should be putting the safety of the animal first. And 
To add to this, if you get into the old world species and you're keeping old world spiders, there's an extra risk because unfortunately, as we've talked about many, many times in the past, a lot of folks believe that all spiders can be handled and a lot of folks are operating under the myth that a bite from a tarantula is no worse than a bee sting. So now imagine it's not just the spider getting out. It's somebody comes in and goes, oh, my roommate's got one of these things. He calls it a pokey over there. And somebody gets, you know, a couple too many beers in them and decides I'm going to handle the pokey think of the situation that could cause so that's another issue that needs to be considered again not just somebody harming the animal or pinning it to a dartboard or letting it out the fact that if you're keeping old world species in particular if folks aren't aware of the fact that there is such thing called an old world that has a much more potent bite that could put people at risk and if people are at risk and people get bit and that makes news that sheds a terrible light on the hobby it just makes us look like kooks so Definitely give it thought if you are in a situation where you're at college, living in a dorm, an off-campus apartment with multiple people, give serious thought before you decide bringing a tarantula or more than one tarantula into the mix. And last up, the last situation you need to think about. Now, this wasn't an issue with Billy and I back in the day. We were very fortunate. I think that when we moved out, we had landlords who really didn't care. They were more worried about dogs and cats than they were any of the creepy crawlies. However, that is not always the case. Another thing you need to consider before amassing a large collection or bringing tarantulas into your life is whether or not you live in a rented house or an apartment because there are places that have rules against owning these types of animals. There are ones that won't let you keep exotics at all. There are some that will let you keep snakes or some that might let you keep a lizard or a hamster. It all depends on the landlord. When we first moved out, we were very fortunate that our landlord really didn't care. We had, it was a house it was broken up into three three apartments we had the downstairs apartment we had snakes we had tarantulas we had some scorpions the landlord i honestly don't even remember who my landlord was because they were one of those awesome ones that just never showed up all that often but i know he had been there at some point had seen them didn't care which is great our second apartment it was a third story and a three family giant three family home he was a little more active. He was one of these jerks that would sometimes let himself into your house, which really, you know, irritated both Billy and I. And he made a comment once, oh, what do you got here? Snakes, those better not get out, but never really cared about it. And that's great. Unfortunately, there are ones out there that because of, you know, personal biases or just rules, you know, some of them, it's it's not so much them. It's just rules for whatever the area is that they're renting. You are not allowed to have these types of animals. So before renting, you really need to make sure you check on that beforehand, Find out what the deal is. You may not want to go into specifics. Sometimes just going up and saying, hey, are there any limits to what pets you can keep? And a lot of times you'll get stuff where they'll just be like, yep, no dogs, no cats, smaller animals are fine, something like that. But you do need to check on it before you get into the apartment. I have heard terrible stories of people being in an apartment. They get the animals. They think there's no problem. They have them for a little while. In one case, the person in contact had been living there for a long, long time, and the apartment sold. And the person that took the apartment over walked in, went into the apartment, said, what do you have here? These all need to go. So that's a terribly unfortunate situation. That's kind of out of that person's control. But I've also heard of some situations where people start getting the animals. Everything's great. The landlord comes in to fix a leak or do something. And they like, wait a minute, what do you got here? Those need to go. And that's something you need to check on ahead of time. So before you rent, if you have a large collection, you are going to, I encourage you, it's going to make probably finding a place more difficult. I encourage you to have a dialogue with the landlord before putting down your deposit to find out if it's okay if you keep these animals. Again, sort of like when we mentioned earlier, you don't want to sneak them in 
because that could lead to a situation where the landlord discovers them. And then you might be, you know, best case scenario, they tell you you need to get rid of these guys. Worst case scenario, they tell you you need to get out. I have also heard whisperings that people have told them they need to have a certain type of insurance for keeping exotic pets. I don't know how true that is. If anybody has any info on this, please feel free to chime in. But I remember somebody asking me something about insurance for inverts. Bottom line, the home is not yours. The resident is not yours. So you need to make sure that you are able to keep them, have the proper permission to keep them. And then even then, there are things to think about. I get a lot of emails from folks that are freaking out because they have a collection of arachnids, they have tarantulas, and they get a note from the landlord saying they will be going through the whole apartment and spraying pesticide. And that's horrific for folks to keep. I know, you know, Billy works in pesticide control and I've reached I've had people reach out and I put them in contact with Billy to you know they will tell her what they're spraying Billy will tell them hey this is just a contact thing as long as they don't touch it they're fine or I wouldn't have the animals anywhere near it she's I don't know as much I obviously don't know anything about this Billy's the one that knows about this but it is something to think about that there are situations where people find themselves in panic mode because they found out they're spraying now they got to move their whole collection there are other situations where people come home their animals start dropping like flies and come to find out they had sprayed they hadn't told them i believe they were supposed to tell you before they do that but there are situations where they've either sprayed that apartment or an adjacent apartment bombed flea bomb whatever it may be and they end up with a bunch of dead tarantulas because they had no idea they weren't able to get them out and the tarantulas were unfortunately impacted by the pesticides that's a real concern for many people and again i get probably realistically eight to 10 emails a year from folks who are renting, who are in panic mode because they found out they're treating for something. And sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's like ants around the perimeter. Sometimes it's roaches and they're doing it in a way it's not going to impact. And that's usually when I send them off the billy and like, you can, can you please help these guys out? But not always the case. Sometimes they're coming right in an apartment. And although it's not the correct thing to do, they're spraying the whole apartment, fumigating it. It's just a nightmare scenario for anybody who keeps these animals. So it's important to make sure you have permission to keep them. It's important to make sure it's a place you can trust to let you know when there's going to be spraying or some type of pesticides. And let's add to this, and this is one of the things you have to take into consideration, old world tarantulas. If you're keeping old world tarantulas and they get out in an apartment, that's kind of an icky situation because the chances are that spider could get out into another adjacent apartment, could get out to the hallway, could end up anywhere. I've heard amazing stories of people losing spiders and having them turned, uh, turn up in the weirdest places. In one case, they had lost it on the first floor bedroom and the guy ended up finding it in the attic. So they can really move, especially if it's a smaller specimen. So if you're keeping old world species, Again, that could cause a situation. Sadly, what would most likely happen, somebody opens their door, there's a huge spider there, they probably kill it. If in a worst case scenario, somebody goes, oh, there's a huge spider, they try to capture it, they get bit, that would be a terrible situation. So those are all things you need to take into consideration. Should you be able to keep tarantulas if you rent? Yes, there are many, many people that do it with no issue, but those are the questions you should be asking. Those are the things you should be thinking about before you bring them into your rented home. So to sum it up, if you're living with your parents, if you're living in a dorm, if you're living in an apartment, you need to make sure you take these things into consideration before entering the hobby, before amassing a collection of tarantulas. And might I add another thing that should be considered in every situation are pets. 
A lot of folks will bring spiders in. Everybody approves of them. It's, you know, they've got a place for them. But other pets can be an issue. It's more cats than dogs. And I'm not picking on cats. It's just cats are more highly attuned hunters, even in the home. My dogs, I've had dogs for years. They never pay any attention to the spiders. I've had the two new dogs up here recently. Both of them went around sniffing cages. One of them, there was a GBB right, you know, probably three inches from her face. She looked in the cage, turned around, walked off. They just don't seem to register them the same as cats who will see the spider. They will detect the movement. They will become fascinated with it and they will try to get to it. So you always, no matter where you're going, whether it's an apartment, dorm, parent, or you own a home, but you have people living with you and they have pets, you need to give that consideration. I think I did a whole podcast on how to animal proof your collection, especially when it comes to cats. That can be the trickiest one. I've heard many stories over the years of folks, cats finding them knocking over the enclosures. I've heard multiple examples of cats knocking over tarantula enclosures and getting bit. And they find the cat in agony. They find a dead spider missing some legs. One case, it was an OBT. Terrible story all around. Cat did live, which was great. OBT did not, which was sad. That's something you always need to think about. And the other thing is kids. I know I mentioned it when we were talking about people that were still young adults or children that were still living at home. They might have siblings, but there could be kids anywhere. You could have cousins come stay with you. You could be staying at a house where there's just a lot of kids coming in and out. That's always something that needs to be considered. If you have these animals, there needs to be rules set. You need to make sure that everybody is aware of it. You need to make sure that everybody realizes their hands off. There's a lot to consider there because a lot of times, unfortunately, kids can be very curious and sometimes kids by themselves not an issue. You have your kids. You're like, never come up here. Never touch these animals. They're perfectly fine. Then what happens? Little Johnny has his friends over. They go, I heard your dad has spiders. Can we go up and see them? You go up there and they're like, hey, Johnny, can you take one of them out? Johnny tries to take him out. Spider gets away. And now you have a spider loose in the house. And God forbid it's an old world where people are going to freak out. So you always have to consider the pet and kid aspect of it as well, no matter where you live. Let's face it. Owning a pet demands a certain level of care and responsibility and owning tarantulas there's an extra weight added to that because of the fact that so many people out there are fearful of these animals they don't necessarily respect them so you need to be extra careful when it comes to this type of stuff so for folks that are living at home or in a dorm or in an apartment that have a good safe situation with it. They have animals, they have a safe situation where parents are aware, where they're allowed to keep them in their dorm, where their roommates are very respectful. I have heard situations like this. Please feel free to chime in and let us know because I do want to hear positive examples of this or folks that are in apartments. Obviously, apartments isn't the biggest deal in the world, but I have been privy to situations, especially recently, of folks who are in apartments, they have these animals and find themselves suddenly in a terrible situation where they're being told they can't keep their animals anymore. I will say that when Billy and I, I know I mentioned that our first house, our first apartment, nobody cared. Second apartment, the guy noticed it, but didn't say anything. He was getting ready to sell the place when we moved out. And that was always a concern that if we did stay there, the new person could come in and go, nope. Because at that point I had a bunch of snakes, probably had 20 snakes at that point. I had my heat lamps going, everything. It was very obvious we had animals in there. That was a concern. And that can be a concern for anyone that, you know, lives in a place that could change hands but there's things we need to think about I think 
Part of tarantula ownership isn't just that we provide them with correct husbandry, that we give them the correct care they need, but we also bring them into situations where we know that we can keep them and everybody around us and all the pets around us safe. That's another part. That's part of the personal responsibility of keeping tarantulas. So please, if you're listening to this and you're in a situation where your parents have said no, or you've looked into the apartment rules and they say you can't keep these animals, or you're in a dorm and the dorm says, you can't have any little pets. Wait, there's plenty of time to get them. I waited. I wanted them my whole life. I had to wait quite a while before I could get them. And now look at me. I have many and it's awesome. And I was able to do it on my terms and in a situation where I didn't have to fear for any of these things that we just talked about. Don't bring these animals into your lives if you're not correctly situated to do so. If you're not, if you don't have a living situation that's going to allow you to keep them safely without hiding them from people, whether it be parents or landlords, or if you're going to be in a situation where these animals are going to be exposed to children or doormates or roommates that could do something to them or put their safety at risk hold off. There'll be plenty of time later on. I've spoken to many people that got in the hobbies in their twenties after they were, you know, had a good living situation. They're away from home. They have a house, whatever, or an apartment that allows them wait until your situation is conducive to keeping them. Cause again, part of safekeeping, part of responsible keeping is making sure that you're bringing these animals into your home in a safe home where they're going to be cared for properly. And where they're not going to be any danger of any of these situations we talked about. So again, if anybody listening has any stories that pertain to this, maybe good situations, bad situations, as far as keeping is concerned, please feel free to chime in on Facebook. If anyone's heard anything about the insurance you have to carry, I know I've had a couple people ask me about some type of insurance, or if you have these animals or whatever, or somebody not being able to be covered by insurance if they have these animals. I'm not sure which it is. Please chime in. That would be something we could obviously revisit next podcast and talk a bit about. But... in all, I get why people would do it. I get why people would risk it. I keep these animals. I love them. It's a huge part of my life, and I can't imagine not having them now. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that they're safe and we're doing things responsibly. That will do it for this one. Uh, if anybody's interested on YouTube, I just posted up a rehousing video. This has been a long time coming. Featuring my Selena Cosmere or Flogius. Some people still refer to it as Flogius, so that's not the correct name. Crassipes species Eunice. We did a rehousing. Billy got some great footage of this. These are the ones I've been, if you guys remember a ways back, I think I did my updated list of favorite old world tarantulas. My goal was to actually do the video to go with it, and I could not get any footage of my Crassipes at all. Either I have an adult female, and I have this one that I'm hoping is a female, the Eunice. No footage whatsoever of them. It's kind of hard to do a video and talk about your favorite spider when you can't even show your favorite spider off. So we finally got some footage of it so I can finally get on that one. But in the meantime, that is up on my YouTube channel. And it's, again, awesome spiders. I love the Australian species. It's funny because at the end of the video, the one issue, obviously, I can't catch these guys out to save my life. And at the end of the video, I distinctly said, I understand why people wouldn't want to keep spiders that you don't see that often. I get it. I do. I totally get it. But for those of us who do keep them, it's that moment that you do catch them out. It's like such a thrill. It's almost like catching something out in the wild. Like you're in your transfer room, all of a sudden, it's out and about. It's amazing. And that makes it all worthwhile. 
And then I had somebody comment, I don't understand why you'd want to keep a pet that you don't see. Well, I tried to explain that, buddy. So I know they're not for everybody. I do get it. I, I believe me, I do get it. I remember back in the day when I first got in a hobby and I started reading about pet holes. And I'm like, why? what is the point of keeping a pot of dirt where you can't see the spider? And then I started keeping them. And I do think that when you have a lot more species to occupy your attention, it makes it easier. So as I've explained to people, if I don't see a spider for a year, that's fine by me because I have so many other spiders here that to keep my attention that I am going to see until I finally catch that one out and about. So anyway, that video is up. My summer vacation will be starting next week, thank gosh, and I'm hoping to start working on some of the more involved videos that I don't have the time to edit during the work year. So that'll be fun. That'll do it for this one, guys. As always, stay safe, and we'll catch you all next time.